This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Afton live to you on this Tuesday afternoon. It's a bit chilly here in Johannesburg, but uh, hopefully the heart is warm. That song we just played, it's an a cappella as we stay in the days of the Omer now. It's a song about standing together with Israel as today... The world, the Jewish world commemorates Yom HaZikaron as we think about all of those who lost their lives protecting the land, all those lost in terror. Um, we dedicate the song to them. Last week I was on the show and it happened to be Yom HaShoah and I spoke about the personal family loss that I suffered during the Holocaust. I got a very interesting feedback. And here I am a week later with a very different story to tell but also a very personal story. And it's a story I wish I didn't have to share. Last week, as I mentioned, I spoke about various great-grandparents that I lost in the Holocaust. Pretty much most of the majority of my great-grandparents I lost in the Holocaust. And thank God my grandparents survived. By now, my four grandparents are deceased. And... Both my grandfathers merited to live quite a long life. My grandmothers, not so long, but they all lived fruitful and meaningful lives. And I've mentioned before that I have quite an extended family on both sides. My father, may he rest in peace, was one of 15. And my mother, may she be, she live long and be well, was one of 14. So it's quite, quite a large family on both sides. Now, this week, the family suffered quite a loss, which I want to talk to you about today because I think there's a very pertinent lesson. There's been losses in the past, and not every loss do I come on the radio and talk about, but if you stay with me, I think you'll find deep inspiration in this story, as I have. It's a story of heartbreak, but also a story of tremendous courage. So the story starts from uh, my mother's side. My mother's oldest sister, still alive, may she live long and be well, a woman in her late 80s, uh, late 70s, and her name is Mrs. Devorah Greenberg. She's about 20 years older than my mother. It's a big gap between the ages. And she... This incredible woman, Devorah Greenberg, she's actually in, the, in her early 80s, has 17 children. Talking about large families. She has 17 children, God bless her. And her children that she raised together with her husband, may he rest in peace, his name was Rabbi Moshe Greenberg, are spread all around the world. The Greenberg family, I mean, but in general, Greenberg is quite a Jewish name and there's a lot of Greenbergs around the world. But this specific family, for people who travel, they'll meet two Greenbergs in Shanghai, China. Two brothers doing outreach in different sides of the city. They will meet a Greenberg in Anchorage, Alaska. They will meet two Greenbergs in Texas, in Michigan in California, in the Ukraine, in France, many in Israel. And then they're going to meet one in Germany. 
and specifically in a city called Hanover, Germany, where my cousin, her name is Sterny, Sterny, she and her husband, Benny, her name is Benny Wolf, and who I'm going to be talking about during the show, moved to Hanover in 2005. They previously were a few years together with her sister doing outreach in the Ukraine, where my sister, where another cousin of mine, her sister, are the Chabad emissaries to Odessa. I mentioned last week that my great grandfather was the rabbi in Odessa and there was a, something very meaningful in the fact that his own great granddaughter and her husband reestablished Jewish life in the city that the family comes from. So Sterni and Benny moved 15 years ago to Hanover, Germany. And if you've been following the news the past few days, International Jewish Community News, you might have seen that name Benny Wolf. Because unfortunately, Rabbi Benny Wolf, my first cousin's husband, passed away on Friday night after battling corona and ammonia for three weeks. For three weeks, Jews around the world were praying for Rabbi Benjamin ben Fega, Rabbi Benjamin, the son of Fega, as he lay in the ICU, praying for a full recovery. And unfortunately, although we prayed and we're, we know that our prayers reach heaven and make their impact, it didn't spare the life of Rabbi Benny Wolf, and on Friday night he passed away, leaving behind his wife and eight children, age 19 to 3. Now that's a tragedy on its own. Uh, it's a huge tragedy for a young father to pass away. I've been thinking the last 72 hours, all I could think about is my cousin and what she's going through, watching the funeral on Sunday and seeing it was on Zoom and they bury my cousin but again, I'm not here to share a story of grief and evoke sympathy. Although I definitely, it's, you know, definitely empathy and sympathy are appreciated. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to say the story of those who are living. The story of my cousin, Sterni, who made an incredible decision that reverberated around the world. And that is that she decided together with her children to stay in Hanover, Germany, as the only rabbi, rabbinic family in this, in this community, a community of 5,000 Jews in a city of half a million people. So much did they make a statement that they're here to stay, that she buried her husband in Hanover, Germany, which is a first, or at least one of the first stories where we hear about a Chabad emissary who passes away in the middle of nowhere, instead of choosing to be flown to get buried either in New York next to the Rebbe's grave or to Israel, she decided to, that her husband will get buried in Hanover, in the old Jewish cemetery there, and that she and her eight kids are there to stay. And just after they buried Rabbi Wolf, she turns to her eight kids, that's what I was told by someone who was standing there, and she turns to them and say, we're all staying here in Hanover to continue our mission, 
dead is on high, his body's here, and we're all staying here. And together with him, with his help, we're going to continue our mission. Now to hear of a young woman, my cousin's just a few years older than me, very young 40s, to hear of a woman with eight kids, alone in middle of nowhere Germany, who just lost her husband and partner, and pretty much the only other religious Jew in, the, in town. And instead of picking up and going back to the Holy Land where her mother lives, or to where any of her siblings live, she made the decision to stay and continue the mission. And I tell you this, and why I want to unpack it with you for the next few minutes on the show is, last week we spoke about bravery, the Holocaust victims. Today, many people are focusing on the bravery of all the soldiers and victims of terror who um, suffered for the Holy Land. And yet there's another kind of bravery. And this bravery deserves to be spoken about as well. And that is not only the bravery of those who die, the sacrifice, but those who choose life in the face of death, the families of the soldiers, the families of the terror victims, and the family of a young rabbi who passed away in such a tragic way and who made a decision within a few hours after his passing that they're here to stay and that they're going to continue their mission. And despite the fact that they might be, and they definitely are, grieved and heartbroken about the loss, their faith in God is as resolute as ever, and their passion to continue their mission and purpose is as strong as ever. For me, that's bravery. For me, that's the definition of bravery. Not only to live, not only to to die when called upon, but even more so to live with an incredible dedication in the face of incredible adversity. So what I want to do now is I want to play another song. It's 20 past and usually play a song. It's an interesting song. It's a song in Yiddish. Um, and just an, it's an inspiring song that the, that for some reason has been coming to my mind a lot. And actually, the title of the song is "Lamir Machen Kiddush" of the Gansevelt. Let's sanctify, let's make Kiddush on Friday night for the whole world. In other words, let's uplift our world. Let's bring Shabbos to our world. And in this moment of pain, it's also a song of hope that we can uplift and make this world a better place. This is. 101.9 Chai FM, Rabbi Levi Avtson, and this is Lamer Machen Kiddush. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtson of Linksfield Shul, and here we are talking today, and we're talking about a different kind of sacrifice than we spoke about last week. Last week I focused a lot about the victims, and today also, as it's Yom Karon, many people are focusing on the victims, and we paid testament, obviously, to that and tribute, at the same time talking about the sacrifice of those who choose to live on and to move on and to keep the faith. And I mentioned and I brought up the story of my cousin, which happened actually this week. My my 41-year-old cousin lost her husband 
at 43. And they were the Chabad emissaries to Hanover, Germany. And despite the fact that her husband passed away, she decided to bury her husband in Hanover to make a statement to the community and to her family that she's there to stay. And she and her eight kids are staying there. I've taken deep inspiration from this. Because in the time we're living in now, what I'm finding, again, I can only talk from personal observation. When people go through very difficult challenges in their life, often our faith starts getting shaky. I'll be honest, even when I heard the fact that my cousin's husband passed away, there was like this deep feeling of anguish and even anger. And like this question of why. And obviously the faith stays strong, but it also, it gets shaken. And then when I hear my cousin getting up and saying that she's there to stay, and despite the fact that her heart's broken, she will continue her mission of spreading Judaism in Germany, even though her life seems to have become such a heartbreak. And now she's raising eight kids on her own, obviously with the support of family and friends, but ultimately in Hanover, Germany, she's alone. It gives me pause because, as I said, during this coronavirus and its consequences, whether it's people who are still not back to work or even the people who are at work and earning a much less salary, business is not the way it was. Our social lives is not the way it was. And yes, for some people, they reach out to me and say, Rabbi, this has been the best few weeks of their lives. Thank God they're financially stable and they enjoy their family's company, which is also a gift. And they found this time to be resonant, powerful, even transformative. But the majority, many people, are reaching out and talking about heartbreak and devastation and hurt and fear and anxiety about what the world holds for them. People sitting shiva alone because nobody could come comfort them. People making bar mitzvahs on Zoom because they cannot have community simchas. People affected financially in deep and meaningful and long-lasting ways. This stuff is real. And the question, obviously, other than having faith and trust that things will turn out okay, the question is, while it's difficult, how do we stand up? I often find that when it's difficult, what we often tell people, it will be okay, and it's true. We hope it will be okay. But we rarely talk about the courage to stand up even when it's not okay. In other words, even if I believe that we're going to come out of this virus, may, may it be soon, there's no question that in the moment I'm in, I'm in a challenging moment. When a person loses a loved one in the moment, it's extremely challenging. You could tell them that eventually they will find peace and comfort. And... They know that. And maybe it's even good to remind them of that. But ultimately, life's not only about looking to the future, but also learning how to cope with the present. And as I mentioned, I think that that's an idea that's overlooked. We're very uncomfortable with discomfort. We don't like talking about the pain. So therefore, we'll talk about things that it will be okay. In other words, I want to take your pain away. And if I take your pain away, then you'll be okay. But sometimes... The pain is so real that it's not about taking the pain away, but rather learning to live with pain. 
And I think that in many ways that's ultimate bravery. That bravery is not only I'm moving forward and forgetting my pain. I just lost a dear one and I'm going to move on straight away. No. Pain is taking the courage is about taking that pain, taking the hurt, taking the impact and still getting up again, even while the heart is shivering. You know, often people think that courage is stiff upper lip. Courage is you get up and you just walk and nobody could see it on your face that you're suffering. And very often as parents, as leaders in our businesses, in our communities, you'll get the message and many people actually have that and they'll say, we need our leaders to stay stiff face. We need our leaders, our parents to have a stiff upper lip. And it's something that I've always grappled with because I don't think courage is stiff upper lip. I think courage is to shed a tear and still stand. I think courage is to feel the pain and keep on walking. We're human beings. And in life, it's about acknowledging the challenges and at the same time, continuing to live. You know, for me to think about what my cousin's going through right now, she's sitting shiver for her husband with her eight kids. I just, I can't. Like, I've been sending messages as much for myself as it is for her just to, just to be part of and hopefully carry some of this incredible burden. And at the same time, her bravery, while her heart is broken, to continue living. And I believe very strongly that we see examples in in parents. So I actually want to talk about her parents, her mother, my aunt, may she live long, and her father may rest in peace. Because what I find is that when we talk about stories of real people, it offers us deep inspiration in our lives. Last week when I spoke about the Holocaust, people reached out to me after and they told me about, you know, when they hear stories that are personal, this person's family member, etc., it makes it much more relatable. So let me tell you a story about this woman who right now is in Hanover, Germany, and her bravery in 2020, and what bravery looked like for her parents. So my late uncle, his name was Rabbi Moshe Greenberg. He was a jolly fellow. He was uh, had a cute sense of humor. I remember he used to come every single year from where he lived in Bnei Brak, Israel. He used to come to Crown Heights, Brooklyn for the Chagim on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur to be with the Lubavitcher Rebbe, to be with the community. His wife always supported it. And for many years, pretty much his entire adult life, he came. And he would walk over and he would crack a joke. Was machst du, Levi? How are you, Levi? I remember him giving me advice when I needed a shidduch to say a certain chapter of Tehillim. In case you want to know what it was, it was chapter 140. <laughs> I hope it worked. Um, well, I definitely got married. I, I don't know if I contributed to that chapter, but it worked. And you would look at him and you would think this is an innocent fellow, happy-go-lucky, you know, just chilled, had a sweet cruise control life, blessed, etc., etc. But this is a fellow who for seven years sat in a gulag in Russia. Seven years. 
in a gulag. If you don't know what a gulag is, during the heavy years of communism, specifically in the first three, four decades of communism in Russia from 1920 to the 1950s and 60s, later as well, but especially in the first 40 years, and especially during Stalin's reign from 1924 to 1953, any person who was considered a counter-revolutionary in Russia and to be a counter-revolutionary didn't take much. It meant that you uh, didn't bow down in front of Stalin's picture. It meant that you spit and you happened to be in five meters of Stalin's picture. And it meant that you're a religious person and therefore you're going against the religion of communism and you're going against the communist ideal. You know, they have the good old story that everyone used to say, my father is Stalin and mother Russia. So you have the story about this Jewish kid in school. And the teacher says, Who's your father? And he says, of course, Stalin. And who's your mother? He says, Mother Russia. And what do, what do you want to be when you're older? And the little boy looks innocently and says, I want to be an orphan. <laughs> um, but that was life. And that was life very much for Rabbi Greenberg and from pretty much my whole family, my all my grandparents. And this Rabbi Greenberg, as a young man, I, I believe he was maybe, uh, he was not even 20 years old. He was a yeshiva student, extremely dedicated to his studies and extremely dedicated to teach other kids about Judaism. And at the age of 19 or 20, he was arrested and sent for seven years to Gulag. Some of his friends were shot and he he got what was considered a lighter sentence to be sent in the middle of Siberia, in the middle of no man's land, on the other side of the planet, times, many time zones away from where he grew up in one part of the former Soviet Union, for seven years. Now, you might sit there saying, okay, interesting story. But not only was he there for seven years, for seven years, the man in the gulag did not break one Shabbos. So much so, you might say, okay, fine. They, you know, they were kind to him. They didn't let him break Shabbos. No. Every single week, for seven years, on Friday afternoon, as a punishment for him not working, they would take him and lock him in 40, for 48 hours in solitary confinement. Every single Friday. For 48 hours, they would lock the man up in solitary confinement. And just understand, solitary confinement in prisons anywhere is a nightmare. In Russia, it literally meant he sat in a room that was one meter by one meter or one and a half meters for 48 hours every single week. And for seven years. For seven years. Because he was not going to bend his principles once. So when I look at his daughter and I see his, her incredible bravery, I salute it. And at the same time, I know exactly where it comes from. When you have a role model like such a father, then you know what it means to live with courage. You know, you know what bravery is all about. 
I'm not talking about righteous people. I'm not talking about Sadiqim. You know, it's very easy to talk about holy people. And in general, a lot of stories you hear are fantastical or just they're too good to be true. And they're about miracles. I'm talking about normal people. My uncle was a regular person. He was a person that I knew personally. He was a jolly fellow who had a very colorful past. And despite being a guy with a sense of humor, etc., and you, he hid behind it maybe, this was a man of incredible courage. Few people in his, in his generation can stand up to what this man stand, stood up to. A normal person with incredible courage. That's what heroes are made of. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Afton of Linksfield Soul, and today I've been talking to you about a very personal story of a first cousin of mine who lost her husband, and just this Friday night from COVID, and who, who made the decision that she is a Jewish outreach worker. She's a Chabad Shlucha, a Chabad emissary to Hanover, Germany, and despite the fact that she lost her husband, she and her eight children, aged three to nineteen will stay there to continue the mission. And she even buried her husband in Hanover to make the statement that she's here to stay. And just before the break, I spoke about her father. May he rest in peace, Rabbi Moshe Greenberg, an uncle of mine, who when you met him, just looked like an average fellow and who spent seven years in the gulag. And the break caught, cut me off. So I want to just continue a little bit about the story and then talk about his wife, my aunt, who's still alive and well in Bnei Brak, and not only still, I'm saying please God for many, many years. So this Rabbi Greenberg, as I said, for seven years never broke a Shabbos. In his whole lifetime he never broke a Shabbos, but seven years in the gulag he would get locked up for 48 hours every weekend in solitary confinement. At some stage Yom Kippur came, and he wanted a daven, and he didn't have a machzor. The machzor is what we pray on Rosh Yom Kippur, and he wrote up a machzor based on memory, and also he managed to find someone else's copy, and I think he copied a few pages from the other person's, but the other person needed his. And he made an entire handwritten machzor. And years later, when he came out of the Soviet Union in 1967, 68, and he came to Rebbe for the first time, he gave the Rebbe his machzor as a gift, and the Rebbe treasured it and put it in his library. And it's still there till today. So this individual, not only did he suffer in the gulag, he comes out of the gulag, he's a 26-year-old fellow. He's looking to get married. At that time, when he got married, it was in the late 50s, I believe. Yeah, it was the late 50s, maybe in 57 or 58. He... It was an impossible task. Where do you find a religious family where religious kids? By the time the late 1950s came, even though Stalin was dead already, by that time he's unfortunately accomplished a huge amount of what he wanted, and 99.9% of the Jews over there were assimilated communists, whether by choice or by force. There were very few religious families around, and a girl of marriageable age, but God runs the world, and eventually he met up with my aunt, my mother's oldest sister. Interesting, the age difference between my mother and her sister is so large that my mother's sister got married before my mother was born. <laughs> and um, my mother actually has a nephew who's older than her, alive today in Israel. So my aunt is 19 at the time. She marries this fellow. Now, 
This is a guy who lost his parents in the war, spent seven years in the gulag, and didn't see any way out of Russia at that stage. The borders were shut, shut tight. Let me ask you a question. Would you bring kids into such a world? You don't have a penny to your name. You don't know if you're going to be able to raise your kids to be religious Jews, which is for you the most important thing because they're living in a communist state where it's illegal. Poverty spiritually, poverty physically, you witnessed World War II and you witnessed the gulag. What kind of life would you build for yourself? Well, him and together with my aunt, and my aunt grew up in my grandparents' home, which I've spoken about quite a few times over the radio, who till 1966 lived in communist Russia, remained 100% religious, never broke a Shabbos, and raised 13 kids. The 14th, unfortunately, passed away at a young age. Raised 13 kids to be proud religious Jews. Almost all of them are alive today. One of my aunts passed away alive today and have raised hundreds and hundreds of descendants in this way. And so this woman, Devira Greenberg, maybe she'd be alive and live long, healthy years in Nachas, together with her husband, went on to have 17 children. 17 children. Sterney is one of the youngest ones, the, the Schlucha in Hanover, Germany. She's one of the younger ones. 17 children. Each one of them, proud Jews, spread out around the world to spread Judaism to the world with incredible courage. As I said, some of them have gone to really crazy places. My first cousin, his name is Rabbi Yosef Greenberg, moved to Anchorage, Alaska in the early 90s. He's been there for almost 30 years in Alaska. Could you imagine living in Alaska doing outreach for 30 years? Two of them in China and all around the world. When I think about where it does courage come from, I can't answer for everyone. But what I know is the greatest way we can raise children with courage is being people of courage. Being a child of such parents and being a child of such grandparents, you know what sacrifice is. You know what dedication is. You know what courage is. You know what principles are. In this time that we live, during this coronavirus, our kids are staring at us. Our grandkids are staring at us, whether they see us or not. And we're here to teach them not to be stiff upper lip. Yes, we're suffering. Yes, we're struggling. But even in a moment of struggle, our faith stands strong. Even in a moment of struggle, we keep on walking. Even while we're crying, we keep on walking. These, this is a moment in time for each and every one of us that we can make an indelible impression on the lives around us if we could stand strong with faith. I hope that what we spoke about today gives you just a bit of inspiration to do just that. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Afton of Linksfield Shul. It's time to wrap up the show. I hope that the words are shared today, at least it came from my heart. I hope it could offer some inspiration to see what heroes in our time are, real people. 
people with hearts, people with feelings, people with fears. I remember one, one time hearing a story that somebody came to Lubavitcher Rebbe and he asked him when he goes out to give lectures and he shares stories, what kind of stories should he share? And the Rebbe told him, don't share stories about righteous people. Holy tzaddikim and sitkaniyot, holy, you know, holy, holy people, because that's unrelatable. Share stories about real people. People like every one of us, people who made mistakes, people who are genuine and real. Obviously, holy people are genuine and real as well, but relatable. Talk about relatable people. Today I spoke to you about relatable people. They're real people with incredible strength and tenacity. We are all real people with incredible strength and tenacity. In a day like this that we pay tribute to the victims, to the soldiers, to the victims of terror from our holy land, we pay tribute not only to those who passed, but to their families who continue to live on. And we remember that courage is not only to face death, but courage is to face life even after seeing death, even after suffering. Now is a time for strength. Now is a time for hope. Now is a time for courage to call upon within ourselves that incredible courage that each and every one of us has. I often find that during these times we underestimate how powerful we are, how courageous we are. You are so much more powerful than you give yourself credit. You have so much more strength than you give yourself credit. I'm telling you because it's human beings like you that show incredible strength. It's human beings like us all. Be brave. Be strong. I finished the show with a beautiful melody, Hamalach HaGoyl, the angel, the blessing that Jacob gave to his grandchildren, that the angel of God should protect us. And may we only be fruitful and multiply on this earth and only have good news to share. May it be speedily in our days. Amen. Signing off, this is Rabbi Levi Aftson of Linksfield Shul. Have a great day. Have a great week.